phones are off. Let's pray this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that as we've come to this place, that you would speak directly to us by your word, God. Pray that you'd be glorified glorified by it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel 17, starting in verses 31 to 47. It says, Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I've not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, this is Goliath, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the airs and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. The title of today's message is fantastic. Uh, Put it back up. There it is. I will strike you and take your head from you. I mean, come on now. That's a, I mean, if that's not a sermon you don't want to listen to, I don't know what it is. You know, the Bible's really exciting if you would slow down and read it. We've been going through First Samuel. I think this is our third or fourth sermon in the story of David and Goliath. We're not even finishing it up. We're going to finish it up next time. But when you slow down and you go through these chapters, you go through these stories, there's a richness that develops that you gather a lot more from these sermons than just merely like, there's a guy, David, and he killed a guy, Goliath, and God can help you as well. Like, come on, like there's more to it than that, isn't there? And so the the theme that we're working with today is that we want to help you find someone that you can take their head off. Amen. No, that's not, that's not, I, listen, 
What we're going to be talking about today is serving God. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Why do we title the sermon this way? Because if I titled the sermon, uh, How to Serve God More Effectively, you wouldn't show up for that. Amen? You wouldn't show up for that. Here's the truth, is that serving God is not for the faint of heart. It's not at all. And if you don't know who Jesus is and you haven't given your heart to him, my, my hope is that you would give your life to Jesus, that you begin to serve God with your whole heart, that your life would be fully consumed with the things of God. But for those of us that have made that determination, you would agree with me that it's not easy. And if you, th- if you would say, man, it's easy serving God, you just ain't trying that hard. Because I will tell you, I've been serving God for almost 30 years, and it's difficult, man. There's times you feel like giving up. There's times you wonder what you're doing and how you're doing it. But when we look at the life of David, who is described as a man after God's own heart, we can look at his life and say, well, if this is a guy that God said had a heart for me, what kind of things did he do that would help me in my attempts to serve God? Amen? So the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is this, is that if you're going to serve God, you've got to think of others. You've got to think of others. You can't merely think for yourself. It says in verse 32, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. One of the greatest things that we, that is missed in this story of David and, and his fight of Goliath is that he wasn't fighting Goliath so that he could be big and famous. He was fighting Goliath because he wanted God to be big and famous. He was thinking about the people of Israel. He was thinking about God and, and, and how God would be perceived by being taken over by the Philistines. If you remember earlier in the scripture, it talked about how the person that would kill Goliath was going to get the king's daughter, was going to get the free taxes and get all the riches. David doesn't even bring that up at all. He, his heart condition is not to get the hand of hand of the daughter or he's not trying to get riches. All he wants to do is to help the nation of Israel and make God seem big and powerful. He wants to be used by God. And so <clears throat> to serve God, you have got to think of others. When David says, let no man's heart fail, it's much different than saying, let me show you how awesome I am. It's a total and complete different heart condition. Many Christian ministers and people who minister in God's church are clearly for themselves and not for others in God. I mean, if you've been around Christianity long enough, you you can usually identify these people because they, they are so self-consumed that if they're not getting recognition or they're not getting praise, they're, they're not going to do what's need to be done because the only reason they're doing it is because they want to be recognized by other people. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 4, let each of you, meaning you, look not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And, and David, his heart was concerned with God's people and God. He says, he has defied the armies of the living God. This is what David said. The reason why I'm going to beat up this Goliath is because he's defied the armies of the living God. I, for one, am not going to let that happen on my watch. David wanted to beat Goliath by the glory of God and for Israel, not because he wanted recognition for himself. His heart was to cut, was to protect his people from evil, to protect them from the Philistines, to make sure that God would be glorified. It's much different when someone has a mindset for themselves because the, the, the win, the victory only goes as far as their recognition, where this win is gonna, is gonna go forever. It's going to, be a story that endures about how God is powerful and how his people were protected. Many people want to serve God, but it only comes from a position of selfishness and self-recognition. They ask questions like, who will see me? What can I get? 
Can I get on TV? Will I have a podcast? Can I write a book? Who, who's, who's gonna know me? And, and even as I'm, and I'm asking those of you that are here this morning that aren't Christians, and I would ask you the same thing. You're like, well, what, what do I get out of this proposition? Well, it's a really interesting proposition. You get absolutely nothing. <laughs> you get your, you get your sins forgiven, which is really good. God's wrath is no longer on you. And then you serve God with no recognition, but the benefits are out of this world. They really are. There's an eternal benefit that, that, that cannot be uh, understated. The Bible says in Romans 15:1, when we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is Christianity 101. Christianity 101 is I'm going to be about everybody else and not about myself. And it makes no difference when you're serving God. And, and it's hard because even in the church environment, people say, like, well, I did that for a while, but nobody recognized that I was doing it. So I stopped doing it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I did that for a while, but the pastor never gave me a call and told me, thank you. Well, I'm like, well, if you were doing it for me, you should have let me know. <laughs> like, let, let me know. Cause if, if that's why you were doing it, I'll call. I'll, I'll say thank you. But if you're doing it for him, you do it for him. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to you? You should want to serve God by serving others. This should be your heart. And if it's not, you should be checking your heart on what you're doing and why you're doing it. This is a constant battle within the Christian because we live in, the, in, a, in a very self-centered, self-absorbed world that tells us if you're not self-centered, you're not self-absorbed, you're not going to get your needs met at all. And so it's very easy to cross over into that place where you lose sight of what you're doing and why you're doing it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.33, Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. That was Paul's heart. Paul said, you know what? I don't care what I have to go through. I don't care what I'm doing. If anybody can come to know Jesus by what I'm doing, it is worth it. It is worth it. I don't care if anybody knows what I do or how I do it. It's worth it. Now, today it works out. And some of you would say I'm on a propaganda spree, but I'm not. This is just the way the Holy Spirit moves. Today, immediately following this service, we're going to have sign-ups for our Easter outreach. Um, this happened to end up being a sermon on serving. Uh, it, uh, I, I went to the scripture and then I realized like this is what it's about. This is about David's servant heart that comes out of these scriptures. Uh, immediately following the service, there's going to be a bunch of people with clipboards. They're going to be standing up here. Uh, Pastor Shelley explained it at the end of the sermon. Um, but th- what we do every year is we go over to Terminal Park. We do a big, huge outreach of hot dogs and face painting and music. And we do a bunch of fun, just loving on our community. And many people will go to that thing and they'll say, well, you know, uh, I, I, I went for a few years, but no, people I talked to never came to church. And, and you know, I, all I was doing was handing out cards at the gate. And, and it just seemed like it was fruitless. There's nothing that you do for God that is fruitless. Amen. Nothing. Nothing at all. I don't, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, it's all beneficial. And and you, you think of this mindset of like, well, if I'm going to go and serve in this outreach, I'm doing it as unto God. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. It doesn't matter where anybody comes to church. What matters is, is that people that aren't in church don't get to experience what we experience. Like there's so much love and care that we experience well with hugs and handshakes and encouragement, all these things. People that don't attend church, I don't know how they live because they don't get any of that. And so we bring that to them. We, we go there and we love on people. We encourage people. And we greet people. Maybe they'll come to our church. Maybe not. I don't care. But what we are doing is we're putting the name of our Lord out there. Put the name of God out there. And I don't care if it's years from now. They end up going to some other church and getting saved. We did our part for God publicly so that people could get saved. 
And it doesn't matter what you do. Serve God in any capacity and you should always be thinking of others because it's not for you anyway. Amen? It's for Him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Amen? You have got to serve others with the mindset that you're doing it for others. God can get the glory and not you. Uh, my first job that I had out of the uh, military back in 2003, it was horrible. I really didn't like that job. It was, it was one of the worst jobs I've ever had, like honestly. I won't even tell you what it was because I'm so ashamed of what it was. And so uh, what, what, uh, the job itself was not good, but what made it even worse was the organizational structure of all the leadership in there was not good at all. Like some of the worst leaders I've ever experienced in my life. Now coming out of the U.S. military that you have a bunch of great leaders and then experiencing this, I was just like, what the heck are these people up to? And so the power structure was there's like these five, there's these five people at the top, one that was at the top and they kind of ran everything and uh, they just weren't nice at all. And so we had our Christmas party and the way the Christmas party worked is that they said, you can't bring your spouses, which is interesting, took us all out to dinner and then they got, you know, they gave us food or whatever and they got these big tables and they've got a bunch of door prizes. I mean, and they've got everything from, you know, Hello Kitty pencils to big stereos and everything in between. Um, and, the, and the big stereo was like this. I remember it was huge, man. And it was the it was the prize. It was the best, most expensive. It was clear. So they give us all uh, uh, tickets for the door prizes for the employee thing. And so, of course, everybody's like, I want the big gift. I want the whatever, right? First thing is, is that they had less gifts than were people in the room, which was interesting. And then the other thing that happened was that as they started to pull names, all the senior leadership started, cause you could pull the, you would pull your ticket and then you could go up and choose your gift. And so when they pulled their ticket, then they would go up and the senior leadership with their ticket got pulled, started taking the best, best gifts that were for all the employees. I kid you not, the number one person in the organization, when his ticket got pulled, went up and grabbed the most expensive thing on the table, took it back to his seat and sat down and was like, I'm a winner. And, I, and, I, and the front desk lady was sitting right next to him and they ran out of gifts. She got nothing. And the look on her face, looking at him who took the best gift for himself, said everything. It said everything. I quickly got out of that job. Because I just, it was a toxic, toxic environment. Why, why do I share that with you? It's because that's how some people are in their, in their service towards God. They're all about themselves, man. They, they don't care about if anybody else gets any. They don't care about how anybody else feels. All they care is about, man, I just, I just want what I can get for myself. You have got to check your heart. What am I doing? And how do you do that? You remember what Christ did for you. I was a worthless sinner in need of a savior. There's nothing inside of me that was worth saving, but God in his grace and mercy saved me from the pit fires of hell and gave me life everlasting. And so the thankless things that I do for God, I have to constantly remind myself of what Christ did for me. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's always a sacrifice to serve others. But it's a loving thing that we do and it pleases the heart of God. Mark 9.35 And he sat down, called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. Here's the second part of it. If, if you're going to serve God, you have not, you cannot become easily discouraged. You just can't. 
Verse 33, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are youth and he a man of war from his youth. It is easy to become discouraged when people are resistant to your attempts to serve God. Because I will tell you, as soon as you step up and say, I'm going to do something for God, no matter how small it may be, People will come around you. Uh, typically, other people that call themselves Christians will come around you and be uh, and do everything that they can to discourage you from moving forward in your attempts to serve God. I mean, this is David, right? David doing things for God, things for Israel. The king of Israel says to him, "I wouldn't do that if I were you. This is a bad plan. I don't. I don't want you going out and doing these things." Can you see how discouraging that would be for David? If David was like, well, why, why should I even do this? The, the only king is discouraging me. I, it's interesting. In every step of growth in this church, as we've moved it forward, there's always been people that have tried to discourage us in every single step. And it was people from inside the church. We started in the school and then we moved to the warehouse. And people were like, that's the worst thing that you could ever do. Why are you moving to the warehouse? The warehouse, the room was sideways. We're moving it the other way. People were like, why are you moving the room? We went to two services. Why are we going to two services? When we when we went to buy this building, I, li- I had dozens of people that said, uh, this is the worst decision the church is making. There's no way that church is going to grow inside of this building. <laughs> Almost tripled in size in the last five years. Even even when we went to three services, do you know how many people said we shouldn't go to three services? Sometimes when I'm tired of that third service, I think I should have listened to them. But I uh, people just want, but you know what? If it's for the glory of God, like why not? Why not? I want God to get more glory. I want more people to come to get to know Him. David had the right heart. He knew that he could beat this Goliath because God's strength was in him. But the king looks at him like, come on, man, why not? Let's get somebody, if somebody else can do it. But David is not going to allow anyone, not even Saul, from discouraging him. He is going to kill Goliath. David said in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And discouragement can come in many forms, but typically it usually comes through somebody else's mouth. And I will tell you right now, man, if you discourage people in their attempts to serve God more effectively, shame on you. Shut your mouth, man. Just pray for them. Pray that God would use them mightily. But I would hate to stand before God and someone say, well, I didn't accomplish what God wanted me to accomplish because they told me not to. No way, man. I'm not going to sign up for that. So what does it mean to you? Can you please move past being easily discouraged? Please, man. Grow some grit. Get some skin. Like, learn, learn, give yourself over to God in such a way that when you get these little bit of setbacks, that you can go through some stuff. And I will tell you, man, it is normal to get discouraged. And I, and I'll tell you, I get discouraged often. I just try not to stay there more than a day. And I, and listen, (laughs) I think sometimes people don't realize that I know who I am. Okay. I, like, I know when I walk into a room, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I got a chest out. You know, I like, I'm, I bring it. I, 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 I show confidence. I, I do that by choice. Why? Because it would look very bad if I walked into church on Sunday like, (sighs) Oh, I'm so lost. 
I, I can't even describe to you how many times I sit up here before I'm supposed to preach. My gut goes, and I'm like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I'm not going to let, let that keep me from doing what God called me to do. The, 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 the larger the church gets, the less confident that I get. It was really easy when we could get all ten of you in our house. You know what I'm saying? I could throw you all in the back of the van and be like, let's all just, you know what I mean? But, I, but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to get easily discouraged just because I don't feel like I know what I'm doing all the time or that, you know, I, I, I have to get some bumps and bruises along the way. Why? Because it's not even my strength in the first place. I, I, I ended, my strength ended about September of 2003. That was when I was done. I preached my first eight sermons. I didn't have anything else to say. And I was like, where do we go from here? <laughs> Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What if David would have just gave up right then and said, well, you're right, Saul. I'm just, I'm going to go home. <laughs> it would be a much different story in the Bible, right? And then Saul discouraged David. And David went home. <laughs> that was it. One guy said enough and that was it. But no, David's like, let's go, Goliath. Come at me, bro. We're going to do this. See, the, the, the truth is that people that are discouraging is usually because they themselves lack courage. That's why they want to discourage you because they themselves lack courage. They see you doing something and they think, well, I can't do that. So I'm going to discourage their courage to keep them from doing it. When the reality is they don't have any courage in and of themselves. They only have courage through God himself. No, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was never a verse that was intended to just for kids to use in sports. It's not. like That's a real verse about real problems, about real life. That Paul said, I can get through anything with Jesus Christ. Not, not just some halfway, like maybe I can do it. No, there's not a thing that I can go through in my life that Jesus Christ will not see me through. Paul was speaking about real stuff. The power of Christ can walk you through anything and everything that you could ever walk through. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Church, Christ can forgive you of any sin. He can walk you through any problem. He can comfort you through any situation. He can restore your heart, your mind, your soul. We serve a great and mighty God. He's powerful. You can't be easily discouraged. Because when you are discouraged, you must learn to lean on the power of Christ and His Word. One of the greatest indications of Christ's power is when you're discouraged. Because then you finally can lean on God and not lean on yourself. You should pray to praise God. I'm so discouraged right now. Now I can lean on God more. He can show himself more mighty. He can show himself more powerful. Second Corinthians 3. And we have such trust through Christ, uh, Christ, uh, excuse me. We have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And and I just, I want to really drive this point home because I I really feel like sometimes people's perception of me is that I'm, I'm, I'm so much stronger than I really am. When the reality is I'm just a prideful man that doesn't want to show weakness. It really is. 
I, I just I just don't like people's pity. I, I, like 99% of what I do is through Christ's strength. It's, it's not just because I've got a, a, a will or all these other things. I'm like, man, I, I can't count how many times I've wanted to quit. I can't ta- count how many times I've been discouraged. I mean, and it still happens. And it's just because I'm leaning on my own strength. God can give you strength to do anything and overcome anything and go through anything. I need you to receive that this morning. But how do you build that level of faith? It's very easy. It's found in the Bible. Watch this. Watch this. To serve God at this level of faith, you have to be faithful to what is in front of you. Be faithful to what is in front of you. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. See, and he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. See, David didn't wake up one morning and go, I think I'll go fight Goliath. No, he was refined in the small stuff long before he came up against the big stuff. See, his his power and his might and his strength and his believing in God's power didn't start when he saw the nine-foot giant. It started when he was just doing what was asked of him to protect the sheep. And what did he do? He fought a lion and he fought a bear. And when he fought the lion and he fought the bear, he wasn't even thinking about the fact that he was fighting the lion and the bear, preparing for Goliath. He was just doing what was put in front of him. But no, God prepared him for Goliath in those moments, even though he didn't know what God was doing. He was just doing what was put in front of him. He's like, well, I was told to be put in front of these sheep. Here comes a lion, lion coming after the sheep. My job is to protect the sheep. I'm going to fight this lion. Oh, wow, a bear came. I think I'll fight that bear as well. Let me, let me show you a scripture from Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16 Jesus is talking. Luke chapter 16. Starting in verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? See, God God was preparing David for something bigger, something that he didn't see. He was just faithful in what God had put in front of him. He was faithful in little so that he could be faithful in much. Don't despise small beginnings, man. Don't despise those small things that God asks you to do. Just protect the sheep, fight the lions, fight the bears, and one day you'll be able to kill Goliath. Because here's the thing. Many people want to fight Goliath when they've never cleaned a toilet. It's just true. It's just, it's, it's so true. Many people want to heal the sick and raise the dead, and they can't even raise themselves out of bed on time. People are like, like, Pastor, man, I want to be used by God, man. God's calling me to this ministry. Great. Is he calling you to be here on time? Is he calling you to be faithful? Is he calling you to serve in a place that doesn't get a bunch of recognition? 
See, the path to Goliath isn't on the day that he shows up. It's in the small, faithful steps. The Bible says in Proverbs 16.3, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And what does it mean to you? Church, you have got to commit to doing whatever it is that the Lord is putting in front of you. And people often look past what is in front of them because they want something bigger. And so so God will give somebody a task and say, son, daughter, do this. And and you're like, well, I don't want to do this. I want to do that because that's going to be a great thing. But God's like, you know what, man, I need you right here. I'm doing something in you. And you've just got to work whatever it is that God has put in front of you. And then when people come around, like, why are you doing that? Because my father told me to. I'm just going to trust God. And eventually God might call you to fight a Goliath. And God might call you to, or he could just keep you right then and there in that same place. And that's no less worthy than someone that fought a Goliath at all. No less worthy. God will establish what he's going to establish in your life. Quit looking for Goliath. Fight the lions and bears that are in front of you. Do the work of the ministry. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 9, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. If if God's told you to do something, just do it. Because if you're not doing it, the Bible says you're akin to being a destroyer. And 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 I, all I can talk about is my per, my perspective and my experiences. And as a pastor, I find a lot of people that come up and they, and I, I don't know, maybe I just make it look too easy. And they're like, man, I want to do what you do. I'm like, great. So you just get a talk all the time and tell people what to do. Like, yeah, that's what I do. And they're like, man, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, well, what are you doing now? Uh, I don't know. I'm just not just doing my job at work, but I figured, you know, I can quit that job and do what you do. I'm like, um, so how many people have you led to Christ, man? No one yet. How many, like, have you ever like told somebody the gospel before one-on-one? Nope. Never done that yet. So, why, why do you think you're going to be here when you haven't even been here? Like Jesus started with 12 and all of a sudden you want to start with 1200? Like that's not how it works. Like if you can't disciple one person, you're not going to disciple 100. It doesn't work that way at all. You got to be faithful in the small things that got it. Quit worrying about whether or not you're going to save the city and, and, and lead someone in your cul-de-sac to Christ. Quit, quit worrying about how big your ministry is and think about how, how effective you're being in it. How, 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 how well you're serving God and the things that He is asking you to do. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You must be faithful to what you have now to hope for help in the future. God is building something in you right now. You may not know it now, but He is. Can I tell you a quick story? So... When I, uh, in high school, I was a wrestler. Okay. If you'll notice, I played football, but I was a wrestler. I, I loved wrestling. Uh, and, and I wasn't the best wrestler, but I wasn't the worst. If there was a middle group, I was at the top of the middle group. Okay. Just kind of right in there. I solid B. Okay. <laughs> solid B. Maybe a B plus on some days. So I wrestled for four years and I loved it. And then I went to college and I didn't wrestle for four years. And then I joined the army and a year and a half or a year in training, went on a deployment. And so I met Crystal, we got married. And then, uh, in 99 at Fort Hood, they had tryouts for the all army wrestling team. And, and why are you guys already laughing? I think it's funny, huh? All right, we'll see. And so 
I, I heard about it. And here's the thing. If you're in the military and you get on a sports team, it's the best duty there is. Because you just travel around and play your sports. Uh, it's just great. And, and so then... Um, I told Crystal, we're gonna, I said, we're gonna go try out, you should come. And I was kinda like, she never seen me wrestle, and, you know, <laughs> you know, I went up and got my little shoes, my little shoes from high school, and, and I was like, man, it's gonna be good. So I wrestled like at, at 190 pounds in high school, and weighed about 185, and, you know, after college in the army, I was considerably heavier after that. And so we show up, man, we're there in the gymnasium, and, and they pull, and they're like, all right, you're going to be in the heavyweight division, because that's just how it is. So I go in the heavyweight division, I show up, and as Providence would have it for this sermon example today for you, my first wrestling match which was against the previous year's all-army champion. And I don't know how this guy made weight, because he was like, boom, and I was like, my, my Crystal was like, go honey, get him. <laughs> right? I'm like, boo, I'm going to show my wife, right? And it was like, tweet. The dude grabbed me by my arm, threw me like this, my, ah, like, bang, and smacked my, dislocated my shoulder. I was like, ah, my back. And the guy's like, get up. I'm like, my shoulder's out. The ref says, he literally says, can you continue? What? Look at this. No. I can't continue at all. We, we, uh, we had a great, great afternoon in the ER at Darnell Army Hospital that afternoon. <laughs> Sat for like seven hours. Ibuprofen. That's what they give you. Rub some dirt on it. Why, why do I share that story with you? See, I thought I was ready to fight Goliath. I really did. I feared like, well, I'd done this before. Like, what could go wrong? <laughs> But it's spiritually, it's the same thing, man. Like people live in this, this, this blank spiritual life and then something big happens and the Goliath comes. You're like, dude, I, I, I used to go to church 10, 20 years ago. I'm ready for this. I used to serve God. I, I pray every once in a while. I know, I, I know one scripture, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, man, the time for preparation is long before the fight. Cause if not, Goliath is going to get you. See, here's the, here's the, here's the last and final part of this. If you're going to serve God, you've got to trust God completely. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to, to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, you cannot serve God or do things for him if you're doing it on your own strength. No way. It's just, it's, it's never going to work. Psalm 9:10 and those who know your name will put their trust in you for you Lord have not forsaken those who seek you. See this is what David knew is that David knew that his strength came from God and him alone. He didn't seek out to be king, he didn't seek out to kill Goliath, he didn't seek out to do big things. He was just a shepherd boy who completely trusted God in everything and God continued to use him to do big and huge and mighty things. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What does it mean to you? If, if you're ever wondering, what am I preaching about and why do I do what I do? I've got one goal is to pull you into the I'm trusting God in everything camp. 
That's all I'm trying to do, man. Whatever, whatever way, with everything, I'm just, I'm going to pull you across the line, kicking and screaming into the camp that says, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to trust God. If I lose my job, I'm going to trust God. If there's a death, I'm going to trust God. If I get a sickness, I'm going to trust God. If people are coming against me, I'm going to trust God. No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to trust God. And so when you learn to do that, and then those Goliaths come in, you've already built this grit and this skin because you already, you already trust. God in everything. You are, you are, you're serving him completely. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on is life, not more than food and the body more than clothing. Amen. You've got to be fully trusting God in every area of your life. And then when that Goliath comes, you can serve him wholeheartedly. You you can serve God without wanting recognition from other people. You can serve God in the small stuff. You're not easily discouraged. And you'll just trust him completely. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Hey, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really quite easy. Either you're serving God or you're not. Either you've been forgiven of your sins or you haven't. And serving God is really quite easy. All he wants is everything from you. And so if, if you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I am, I, I am not serving God, but I want to start today. He will forgive you of your sins and he will give you life everlasting, but you must turn away from that old life. You have to turn away from what you used to do and say, you know what, now I want to be forgiven of it and I want to live for Jesus. And he will empower you and he will, he will help you every step of the way. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do it for the very first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Amen, I see that hand. Is there anybody else that needs to do it? Raise your hand, hand held high. Now, friend, I'm going to ask you to walk up here to the front and have somebody pray with you. I know that might feel uncomfortable for you, but if you can't walk up in a room full of Christians and say, I want to serve God, the, the, the world is going to chew you up. Every eye closed, every head bowed. We serve a God that saves. We serve a God that delivers. We serve a God that sets free. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. God, we thank you that you're a God that hears our prayers. God, help us to serve you. Give us your strength. Give us your power. Give us your grace. Give us your mercy. We praise and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, If you have a clipboard, do you want to come up real quick?